Thank you for tuning in to this message from Kingdom Airs International, headquarters located in Flagstaff, Arizona. So tonight we've got Yvonne, Noel, Eric, and Kendra, and uh, in no particular order. So I just thought we would just um, see who wants to go first or how you, how you guys want to do it. So you want to go first? Um <laughs> well, I, I, uh, if that's okay. Yeah, yeah, well, I mean, oh, no, yeah. <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> um, you know, before everybody goes, we'll kind of say a little something, but this is so necessary and so needed. And for us personally, it's really good to, uh, I mean, we're passionate, we're intense, we're excited to bring a word. Every sacrifice is behind it, every victory, every loss, every trial, right? All the processes that we go through, everything we've lived for the last two decades is behind what we share, right? So we're personally very excited to hear from everybody um, tonight because it's so, it's so needed to hear that same type of thing from everybody else because it's not just what Noel is going to share because, you know, he put some notes down for a nice sermon or whatever. It's because we're going to hear what's behind all that, you know, the life that you live that's behind that. We're going to hear, you know, your life experience, the good, the bad, the ugly is all behind that. Maybe even if you don't express it. Um, and so for Noel, I'm excited to hear what you have to say because I believe that, um, you know, I think back to Shavuot, and just that apostolic prophetic anointing that you guys carry and i'm excited to to see that and hear that through whatever message you're going to bring and i know that it's going to be um significant you know what yahweh is sharing with you because of that gifting and because of your experience uh, because of where you're coming from and also because of the vision you have looking forward so um would you want to <laughs> All right, so you got you got the floor, brother. Okay. Um, Alright. Uh, first I just want to take a moment and just because I'm always a person that likes to honor and thank people. Um, so I just want to thank um, my spiritual parents Derek and Sally for helping me press into this. Um, and Padrino, um, my wife, my sister Jordan, um, Alan, and Amber. Amber really right from this week. <laughs> so it was cool for her to talk about what she was talking about. So it was a simple box, but it just, it really created me to like, find the strength. Do this. So, um, so me, I was pressing in. Obviously, I found out on Friday after we went home, because you know that's, that's my style. No, <laughs> <laughs> we like to do that to me, so it's fine. I'm getting used to it. Um, so after that, I just I started. Like I just like you know, no thoughts. You know, I'm I'm a person that is. Unfortunately, I'm a perfectionist, so I, I need to have like a certain amount of time. I need to have 
like everything has to be perfect or else I don't do it. So mm. it wasn't just coincidence that I got I ended up getting sick on Sunday like everybody else. Mm. And so that just like took my whole my whole week to like that would take the time to prepare. Mm. Um, so my biggest word that I got was the desert. Mm. So as we're going with what after Shavuot, like they were in the desert. So we always talk about like leaving Egypt, and yeah, that was like a mindset change to leave, to leave something that was there for multiple generations after generations. So it like for my wife, she grew up in Flagstaff. Her family was from Flagstaff, so I saw it as how hard and how difficult would that be for Yahweh to tell her leave Flagstaff if that's all you know, and generations before you, that's all you know. So the desert really stuck out to me because that's what we live, right? We live in a desert, whether that's our struggles, whether that's our job, our distractions, like that's the desert where we have to push through. And in that desert, in the real desert, there's no shade, there's no water, there's no food. So we have to fully be reliant on Yahweh to provide that. We have to fully be focused. We, we have to be loyal to him to a team. To, to get what we need. It, it's no longer just you're going to go down this road and know where you're going. It's we're relying on him even for direction. So that just kept kept like hitting me, hitting me, hitting me like the desert. Why is that so important? Because it's it's real life. You know, that's that's what we walk out of. I'm trying to find myself here. So like when you're in the desert, nothing else matters but him. He's the provider, mm -hmm. he, he's the shade, he's the water, he's the food. He's mm -hmm. the, the manna, I think mm -hmm. I'm saying that right? Mm -hmm. um, so for me that translates into the real world, which which is that's my job, that's the resources, what I rely on, that's mm -hmm. the dollar, that's everything that comes in the way of me focusing on him. Mm -hmm. So as I was pressing in, he was showing me these things and he actually gave me a real feeling of what would happen if he told me today, leave my job. Mm -hmm. And that threw me through a loop. That like mm -hmm. I was panicked. Mm -hmm. I was like, man, I'm gonna lose my house, mm -hmm. my fa sure. like my family, my my well-being, <clears throat> like my identity, mm -hmm. right? My whole identity is what I do for a living, mm -hmm. and that's my wow. struggle. Mm -hmm. So then that was a check. Am I identifying as Noel, the branch manager, or am I identifying as a son of Yahweh? Yeah, mm -hmm. that's good. And that's what kept mm -hmm. triggering me. Like, man, like it was all these distractions, and we are reliant on a system mm -hmm. that has been generation mm -hmm. after generation after mm -hmm. generation where it becomes normal. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's the norm. Mm -hmm. yeah. Go to work. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. what, and what is work? Mm -hmm. Work is you're going somewhere to work for someone else, in most mm -hmm. cases, for their progress for their well-being mm. to get a little reward mm. so so are we really out of Egypt mm. are we really out of that because we're still doing it we're, we're mm. still doing that same thing but it just it's tweaked yeah, yeah. it's almost like you have a reward because I'll pay you yeah but I mean the, they got paid mm -hmm. they had homes they had food, mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. good food. you know good food they, they yeah. had it all yeah and to leave and to become their own right to to have ownership and to, to rely on something that was not created outside of Yahweh. Um, for this family, my word, which was really cool because we, we just saw the John Wick movie. <laughs> and, and there was a, 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 there, there was a, a, a line in there. And one of the guys said, friendship means nothing when it's convenient. Mm 
Mm-hmm. So I was like pressing to like, why did that hit me hard? While mm-hmm. Yahweh checked me, he said, loyalty mm-hmm. is nothing That's when good. it's convenient. Absolutely. Yeah. And we are identifying, mm-hmm. we identify as a family of loyalty, right? Mm-hmm. That's who we are. We are loyal. Like Jason said, we are going to be loyal to the unseen, even when we don't even know what we're doing. Yeah. Because our loyalty is to who? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's to him. Yeah. That he's going to provide. That he's going to walk us through. Mm-hmm. That he has that path for us. That is no longer going to be dictated by man. Yeah. yeah. So then, you know, again, desert, just it kept coming. And and so for the remnant, like, I believe in the remnant. I, I believe we are here. But for the remnant, it's it's very easy when you're in it because you see, right? You physically see you guys. Mm-hmm. I could, I could, you guys share your process just like I'm sharing mine. And, and so it's easy to believe that. It's easy to fall in line. So I think of anything like, a lot of our family members do jujitsu, right? You could be really good at jujitsu. You go to class, you train hard, but how do you know? Mm-hmm. How do you know that you're good mm-hmm. until there's a challenge, right? Until you mm-hmm. come up against something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's what we're going to be coming up. I, yeah. I see it on the TV. I see this world yeah. is, is we're we're becoming people that are not going to be accepted, mm-hmm. right? So we're getting strength. We're, we're training now with one yeah. another, right? We're training now. And what gave me really hope, what sparked me really, really like, man, it, it just... It made me like I was just on fire when I heard it. I was I was driving home and I was listening to one of the, the Christian radio stations and they had this guy speaking and I don't know if he was Hebrew or Jewish, but he said, My goal is to spread shalom. And for me to hear that on like a Christian radio, that just was like, man, there's other people that are breaking yeah. through just yeah. like we're doing here. Yeah. So it might not be Flagstaff, it might, it might not yeah. be another church that's doing the same thing, but like, where is that individual at? Yeah. You know, we yeah. have a family in New Mexico, like, they're like pushing away, they're going through process, so like that just really oh. sparked like that fight in me of just being prepared, right? Yeah. Like there is that out there, like, yeah. not that I would ever discredit Nana and Padrina and what they got to say, but that just, like, just... Man, they already speak with so much force, but when that guy said that on a on a radio station sure. where we have family yeah. members that disown us already because yeah. we're not Christian, mm-hmm. that we're not going to do Easter, mm-hmm. Easter, mm-hmm. Christmas, you know, like I know that's a struggle, yeah. but like they disown us. So then yeah. for this individual to say, I'm here to spread shalom on a Christian radio that yeah. thousands of people are hearing. Yeah. <laughs> Right. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, I'll take one crazy. That's fine. But, but to just hear that and just to really just get more engaged to have that fire that I thought was already like engulfing me to just another level. Mm-hmm. And I'm just um, so, so again, with me, my, my struggle is like self reliance. Mm-hmm. That's, that's something that I struggle with, mm-hmm. that I have to do with it, that mm-hmm. I have to be so prepared so that way when it's called, I'm ready. When that when that signal comes up, I'm ready to respond. But what that signal come right now, and I'm a mess, <laughs> right? But it's to be prepared in that, to, yeah. to trust. So, you know, it, it just, again, like, you know, we're walking out of that desert. Mm-hmm. And that desert is not to discourage us, but to mold us and to mm-hmm. sharpen us and to make us stronger and yeah. unite us even closer. Yeah. So. That's what I got. Amen. That was good, Noel. Thank you. That got me all fired up, man. <laughs> that was good. I almost stood up right now. Good. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Man. We're recording all this. I'm definitely going to have to go back and re listen to that. Yeah, I'm going to need to listen to it. I don't know what I said.
Awesome. Well, let's just keep it moving. Who wants to? Who wants to go next? Okay. Um. Okay. So, I wish I could just like give you all my notes and be like, okay, here we go. Um, it's yeah, it's like a novel, but um. So I I. <coughs> I titled it Covenant Relationship with Yahweh, um, A Bride of Two Realms. So, um, A Bride of Two What? Realms. Um, so this part about me that I don't know if a lot of people know, um, but when we first moved here, I was pretty heavy into New Age stuff. And so I intentionally um, listen to a guided meditation to connect to my spirit guide and um, but I didn't know what that was going to do to me and what ended up happening was I became a channel and so I became a medium to the spirit world and um, heard all these voices and couldn't see anything um, but anyway they were telling me all these things that they were clearly not and it wasn't until a friend of mine who ended up bringing me to Christ, um, and then I was able to um, pray and uh, just ask Yahweh for forgiveness for a lot of my sins, because when he did bring me to Christ, then I uh, a lot of my sins were revealed to me. And so one of them being me becoming this medium. Um, and so little by little, he closed off that access between me and the spirit world um, to where I don't hear voices anymore. And um, so when we came here to this family, um, when like mom would talk about engaging, um, and I was like, no, <laughs> not doing that. Uh, just because of the fear, you know, and, and because of my lack of confidence with having discernment, being able to discern Yahweh from Hasatan and all the other things that are out there. Um, so before mom talked about this assignment, um, like March 2nd, I was like, okay, I'll try it. Um, just... To give it a go and I and I had been talking with Missy and, and other sisters and and just um, trying to gain confidence in that um, in Yahweh and trusting Yahweh that I wasn't gonna go back into that new age stuff um, so March 2nd I decided to listen to one of Laura C's songs thank you Sarah for bringing her into my life um, and uh, what what he revealed through listening to this song was um, that I had forgotten to breathe. Um, I'd forgotten to lay down my burdens. I'd forgotten that that Yahweh's my master and not fear. I'd forgotten to rest. And most importantly, I had forgotten who I was. Um, and so what he showed me was that I was his queen. Um, I had a crown, um, he 
he held out his hand and I took it and he led me to my throne next to him. And so I was able to sit next to him. Um, and so that was just a huge um, encounter. And then two days later, um, I listened to another one of Laura C's songs and um, I saw myself ascending up. Um, I was in a dress, there were pulses of light, angels were encircling around me, I'm dancing and twirling. Um, and then I started to cry because I was thinking about my past and about my sins and how I was not worthy of such love. And it was just very humbling to know that that he loved me that much. And um and then Yeshua was there. And he um I don't think he spoke, but it was as if I knew that I was a queen and that I was to take my seat at the throne next to him. And um and then he and I danced. Um, you know, not nothing formal, but like more playful, you know, like kind of like a little girl, you know, when you see them poorly with their dad. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of like that. Um, we were laughing. It was fun. And then these shards started coming off of me and um, they were floating upward. And so um, I don't know how, but I knew that the shards were false perceptions about me and untruths. And so, um, so then three weeks later, it was the day after, um, mom had spoke about her body mm -hmm. and, um, how to trust that again. And the intimacy that she has with Yahweh and, um, I was like, I don't have that. I I don't know what that means. And I thought I've never been intimate with him. I've never I don't know. I just have never spent time with him. So it's but then I I just told you about these two kind of revelations, right, mm -hmm. that I had. Mm -hmm. Well, I had completely forgot about them. I mean, they were super powerful, right? And but yet I I completely forgot. Um and I don't know why that happened. Um but but then so here I am the day after mom speaks and it's you know Shabbat and I'm I'm thinking, well, how am I gonna spend time with Yeshua? for the first time. What if he doesn't come and meet me? And I was unsure that he would be there. And and so I'm coming from this place of like panic because again, I had completely forgotten about these two times that I had spent with him. I would not remember now if I had not written them in my journal. Mm -hmm. um, and so I was like, okay, I'm just, I'm gonna put my, so here I am again thinking, Okay, I'm going to put my Bible down because that's how I usually engage with him. It's always through the word. It's always through something concrete. Um, and so uh, 
So I, I closed my Bible and I'm like, okay, I'm just going to sit here. And then of course, you know, I start thinking about clothes and you know, fashion and things like that. And, um, money and, yeah, you know, um, and so, uh, but then, but then Yeshua took my hand and he pulls me out of this earthly mindset that I had. And he reveals to me that part of the illusion that I've been living in um, was this good versus evil. And he's telling me that um, it's not about good versus evil. So, you know, it's then dad's, um, when he talked about good versus truth, Mm -hmm. right? And, but for me, I had this mindset against it's me versus them. Because as a little girl, even though I was the oldest in my family, my brothers um, always came before me. It was always the boys. The boys always had all the attention, and I was just kind of there. And so um, I had developed this like me against them kind of attitude and and mindset. And so um, what... Yeshua had, had told me during this this time with him was that Hatan wants me to focus on good versus evil. He wants me to be distracted by that. Um, but he was telling me that that in this mindset of good versus evil, um, this only leads me to a mindset of judgment. And so that in turn leads me to hate my fellow man. And it leads me to be, um, to not see the truth, which is um, during this, this time with him, he revealed that, that each one of us is capable of doing good and each one of us is capable of doing evil. Um, and, and it's, the choice is in us. And so um, I had to learn. And, and so when dad talked about the good versus truth, that really hit me because it reinforced that it's about discerning the truth. It's not about discerning what is good versus what is evil. It's about discerning the truth of, of who Yahweh is. And and that truth is not subjective. There's no Sarah's truth. There's no Gabi's truth. There's no my truth. There's there's only one truth. There's only one standard, and that comes from Yahweh alone. Um, and in knowing Him, to Yadah Him is the only way to gain access to that discernment. And once that discernment is given, then the truth is revealed. But then what do you do? And as Diana has has said this before, um, once the truth is revealed to you, it becomes a choice. And what do you choose? Do you choose the truth or the lie? Um, Do you choose life or do you choose death? And there's only one choice that leads to Yahweh. And the other leads to Hasatan. And the moment I choose the truth is the moment I know that I choose Yahweh. 
And when I choose Yahweh, I automatically choose Torah and because they're one in the same and they don't exist apart from each other. And so the way I envisioned it was like truth is the trailhead to Torah and Torah is the path and the way that leads to Yahweh. And so I just envision, you know, Exodus 20 and, you know, Moshe and the people at the bottom and Yahweh was at the top, but he came down and met them. And, and then it's, it's weird, like how a couple days later I'm reading Torah portions and I don't know how to say this part, but it's, it's called, um, it's spelled V-A-Y-I-K-R-A. I don't know. Um, it means, and he called. And so this, this Torah portion specifically spoke to me um, because when I looked that word up and the meaning of, his, of it was, and he called, it means um, he calls to a further and deeper unfolding of the divine human relationship. And so when I when I read that, I immediately thought about my covenant relationship with Yahweh. And um, and then the covenant relationship that Yahweh has with us as the bride. And and then in that specific Torah portion, it was talking about sin and how we deal with sin and impurities and it and the goal of of covenant was so that Yahweh can dwell among us and so that he can walk and talk with us like literally and not figuratively and not in some other different space or realm or time um, and so so then, you know, then the tabernacle came to me and how the sole purpose of the tabernacle is to manifest uh, Yahweh's glory among his people. And, and then as I'm reading, I'm reading that there's these ritual states that we can be in and there's clean and unclean and holy and all that that means and um but i think what specifically hit me was that that priests in the wilderness were the only ones that had access to the tabernacle um no one else had access at that point and so um i'll talk about that more later but but just if you want to just kind of keep that in the back of your mind but then as i'm i'm reading more it's um more about the sacrificial system and um, how it was put in place as a reminder to the people to continually seek out Yahweh, to continually come before him, to continually make amends, to continually um, repent and seek atonement. And there were five major offerings and, and the one that really drew my focus was the burnt offering. And the purpose of the burnt offering was for atonement. I mean, most of them were, but this one specifically was the most costly because you had to take a life. And um, in that taking, everything from that animal was burnt and there was nothing left. And so, um, 
So in the burnt offering, there's a shedding of blood, there's a burning, and when you have both the shedding of the blood plus the burning, there equals this pleasing aroma, um, which means that it's, I think Yahweh finds favor in that. He finds that pleasing. Um, and so part of this burnt offering is also the removal of, removal of sin, but it's also the appeasement of Yahweh's wrath. And so that equals the atonement part of it. And it's, it's not comfortable, I think, for me to think about appeasing Yahweh's wrath because there's this love aspect of him. But like Jason talked about, there's also uh, another side of him. And so, um, so when I was thinking about this removal of sin and the appeasement of wrath and atonement, and our sins do call forth Yahweh's wrath because he is so holy, but at the same time, um, the, the, the offering of, of this animal results in the person, the sinner, being ransomed. And I was like, you know, you hear ransom all the time, and you hear words like delivered, redeemed, rescued, but, but then as I was reading Strong's Bible, it took me even further, and it also defined it as ransom is to sever, to release, and to preserve. And so I was like, whoa, this means that I, as the one who sinned, needs to be severed or released from Yahweh's wrath because I'm also seeking the preservation of my life. And and I, I need to offer Yahweh something to satisfy this wrath. So this is all, right, pre-Yeshua, right, all on the other side of the cross. And so once Yeshua died for us, um, you know, I don't need to offer the blood of an animal to do, to gain atonement. Um, and so, okay, why am I talking about all this? Um, well, he led me to know that blood covenant was the covenant that Yahweh chose. He chose that to enter into this blood covenant with Abraham in Genesis 15. And so when, when Yahweh told Abraham to kill an animal, to cut it down the middle into two halves. He told Abraham to lay them both on opposite sides um, and where each person in the covenant, so Yahweh and, and Abraham, were to walk between the two halves of the animal. And so once you do that, once the two parties do that, you enter into this blood covenant. And so um, Yahweh made Abraham two promises, right? You're going to have a son as an heir, and then you'll enter into the promised land. Um, and so Yahweh goes ahead and passes between the two halves of the animal in the form of a smoking pot. So there's a smoking pot that goes through the two animals, and then there's a flaming torch. Um, but then I found interesting that Abraham did not pass through those two halves. 
And I was like, what? Okay, there's no covenant, right? Because the lawyer in me is going, well, Yahweh did it, but the other person has to do it. And if the other person doesn't do it, then you don't have a covenant. And so, um, but then as I'm reading, I see that during the reason, you know, during Pesach, it comes to me that that his heirs, the children of Israel, passed through the two halves of the parted sea, which symbolized the blood covenant, since this act of walking across the sea was in the middle of two events where blood was shed. Um, the first, the firstborns died um, during the plague part of it. They walked between the two halves of the parted sea and then the deaths of the pharaohs of Pharaoh's warriors. So, so that because that happened and the and the the people of Israel chose to walk between those parted seas, they were like agreeing to enter into this blood covenant that was initiated with by Yahweh um, with Abraham hundreds of years before that. And so as Abraham's rightful heirs, they were agreeing to receive the inheritance of this promised land. And I was just like blown away that that it that the timing of it all, that the people that he chose to seal the other half of the covenant was not Abraham, but it was his heirs, his inheritance. Um I don't know, it just kind of like just blew me away. And so, you know, coming out of Pesach, we can all see like the symbolism and and how that, that plays in. Um, but I think what it, it meant for me particularly was that when we chose our cups um, during our Pesach celebration, it was very intentional for me to choose our wedding glasses that, um, we had toasted our wedding with with all our family and all our friends to represent the earthly covenant that Brian and I had made to each other here and I did not realize um, until I was like typing this up what that meant um, because I'm sure you're like okay thanks for the lesson um, but but what's like what's the significance of all of this right like okay I had these things about the bride revelations and all that and that's okay great Yvonne um, but but when I looked at these revelations to me they formed a picture and so that picture was Yahweh had invited me to be in covenant relationship with me he had offered his hand and I had accepted um, and that was a choice uh, and then as Yahweh's bride, I too have entered into the same blood covenant accepted by the Israelites. And um, when I chose to believe in Yeshua as the unblemished lamb and, and the burnt offering to me, his, the offering of his body was to release me from being consumed by Yahweh's wrath and to preserve my life and my spirit to be in this family for such a time as this you know mom has she she says that and it's it does it means something it's not just like 
there's meaning and purpose in all that we do, in all that we are, in, in the process that we go through. And so um, in choosing Yeshua as Adonai, I've, making a cho- I've made a choice. Um, I've made a choice to choose the truth. And, and it's Yahweh's truth, and he's the only one that can make that truth. And so by, by choosing him, I, it's, it's led me to, to walk the way, right? That's what the disciples of Yeshua called themselves, is the way. And so it's to, to walk the way, which is Torah, which is, leads to life, which leads to Yahweh. So it's like all of these, um, this connection, um, that eventually leads us to him. And so, so here, here I am, his bride walking on this path, the way that leads to life to him. But then there's this disconnect because it's like, why, why did I forget that I had these two revelations with him? Why did I forget that I had spent time with him? Why did I not know that I have been developing this relationship with him um and so there was something obviously that was blocking me from realizing this covenant in its fulfillment and so and and having this full intimacy with him and and so two weeks ago um Yahweh reveals to me that that my intimacy with him is directly linked to my intimacy with my husband here on this earth. And so my earthly covenant is a direct reflection of my heavenly covenant. And and then the reason for the blockage hits me. And it's because I have had this thinking that I'm superior to Brian. Um, and it wasn't always like that. When we got married, it was not like that. It developed over time, and it began in law school. And um, and then it started to develop even more as I was a practicing attorney, as I started to win trials, as I started to you know, do justice, um, and, and my, the status of who I was, um, as an attorney. And every time somebody asks me, Oh, what do you do? I'm an attorney. Oh, you know, and you kind of get like this, you get given this credibility, credibility automatically with people and they put you up on a higher level. And it's not that I necessarily asked for it, but that just is what came with the job. And um, people would ask me advice. And and so it was just this over time, this development, this um, attitude of superiority that I had. And um, I became judgmental. I developed this um, kind of holier than thou. Um, mindset, uh, which turned into uh, mistreatment, uh, manipulation, and a um, 
false form of love uh, toward Brian. And, and then it worsened as I became a Christian. Um, because the more I filled myself with knowledge, um, I didn't realize that my heart was getting colder, uh, that it was getting harder um, toward Brian. And um, over time, I ended up elevating myself to a higher position than, than he, he was. And I treated him as if he were lesser than me. Um, and so to kind of steal some of Megan's words um, this week, I had developed a mindset in opposition to Brian that prevented me from being able to fully receive him as my husband. And so as Brian's bride, I had come to think of myself as more superior than him. And uh, ultimately, I, um, I had fallen out of love um, with him due to this mindset. And, um, oh. As Megan, you know, has that voiced, you can't love someone if you consider yourself superior to them. Mm -hmm. And so, um, because of this disconnect with my earthly husband, I had unknowingly uh, caused this disconnect between Yahweh and I. And, um, and so every time that I had uh, acted or spoke or had an attitude of superiority over Brian, I was also acting, oh, thank you. I was also acting and speaking and having an attitude of superiority over Yahweh. And that was why I was not able to trust him. And that was why I was not able to um, engage with him outside of the Bible because I know it's like so weird but I felt like I was I needed to do it on my own that he wasn't gonna be there for me and he's there for all these other people but not me and so I think that's why it was important for him to show me in the two earlier revelations like who who he saw me as um and so i immediately asked him for forgiveness and um i didn't even think about asking brian for forgiveness until today <laughs> so as i'm typing these notes up you know um before we headed over here i i asked him for forgiveness and so uh, you know it's easy to think that well this was just something between brian and i but um, it, it, it wasn't because then Christian has the same kind of mentality and it, it's easy to see um, and I was the example for that and um, you know it's shameful uh, to think that my son watched me all these years treat my husband badly and poorly and that entitled him to do the same and so I always wondered like why is he like that well it's because of me um, 
And so why I'm sure, you know, what does this have to do with the kingdom heirs and um, the remnants? And I think what I've learned is that, you know, we're not only his bride, um, but we're also his tabernacle. And so we're supposed to hold his presence within us. And Yahweh dwells among his people through us, through, through you and through me and through all the remnant. And, and if I'm cursing someone who doesn't know how to drive or is almost going to cut me off or, um, you know, who says something that I feel is stupid, um, that is just more blockage for us to not be tabernacle, to not, to not have that opportunity for Yahweh to dwell among his people through us. And so the more I say I'm not superior to Brian, the more I become the tabernacle. The more I say I'm not superior to that driver that just cut me off, the more I become the tabernacle. And like Megan said, without love, I'm a clanging gong. It's 1 Corinthians 13. Um, I'm the same as every other Christian out there. And I will not accept that as my truth. That is not my destiny. And I refuse to go that way. And so here I am speaking out loud and saying in my mind um, as many times as I can throughout the day that I am not superior. It was easy to be able to like see the different dimensions mm -hmm. without you having to connect it because the whole time you're talking about being Brian's bride, mm -hmm. I'm just seeing it as mm -hmm. like us being his, us being his bride, and then having that same mentality yeah. that we have become, that we think we're superior to even him. Yep. Mm -hmm. So we do it on our own, become judgmental, and then we really are, you know, better than, you know. So I think that that's awesome. Yeah. Yvonne told me when we were together yesterday, she just like dropped the bomb. She was like, well, I'm going to be talking about how I think I'm superior to Brian. And I was like, <laughs> I have to grab my drink. I was like, what are you? And I think that that's what's so powerful about coming into a family because it's not it's never about, I don't know, I don't know how else to say this without just saying this, but like going out and finding souls, mm -hmm. you know, I don't want that finding souls. Mm -hmm. Like he doesn't want that. Mm -hmm. So like he's after that and that's what transforms the world, right? Not necessarily mm -hmm. what we do for, for him, mm -hmm. but who we are in him. Mm -hmm. But it just, yeah, I don't good. know, I just think it's super powerful to come to a family because then you get placed into a family where there's this pressure cooker on sons, you know, I mean, at least there's mm -hmm. this, you know, 
I mean, you guys know how, like, how I am. Like, just being able to... I don't know if I'm able to... How to, how to speak to that. But when you, when you meet a family, you see people in the spirit, you can stand in a place where you can see what Christianity's done, if that makes sense. You can easily see, see what Christianity's done or job or culture uh, where you can feel like, well, the man's not spiritual enough and he didn't prophesy and he's not the worship leader and he didn't do this and he didn't do that. And it's just like, Bleh. because when we step into a situation, like all I see is this like leader of a man and Brian in this mm-hmm. softness and nurturing yeah. and authoritative and being able to provide a because I know that if she is in any way powerful, it's only because of what he's doing at home, you know, but the world doesn't want to say that. The world just wants to, you know, see, you know, say things a certain way or see things a certain way that then pushes people. They want that. They need that hierarchy. They need a placement. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's so hidden. And so it's so powerful to be able to come to a family who can see that and pull that out. Mm-hmm. And then what that's going to do for generations is super powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the other thing I was going to say I want us to think about before we continue on to Eric and Kendra is that anytime Yahweh communicates with you revelation or direction mm-hmm. or gives you clarity, he's also communicating to you about your gifting. So this is good for us to hear from each other, right? Because mm-hmm. as you're talking and as you're talking, I'm like, okay. Yeah. I see what yeah, I doing. see what's gonna start happening, right? Once you align with truth, <laughs> yeah. how's Yahweh gonna use Yvonne? Mm-hmm. You within the things that he communicated to you is like a blueprint of your gifting. Yeah. And so <laughs> and so and we can talk about it more afterwards, but I want us to be listening to each other because encoded in what Yahweh's saying to everybody is also the gift that Yahweh is calling you to or has given you, right? And the full operation of that is, you know, and I'll, I'll speak to it more after we hear from Eric and Kendra, but it's this is why it's so good for us to hear from each other, right? So we know, like, man, what is this family about? What is Yahweh yeah. doing? We don't know that if we don't hear these yeah. things, right? So you, whichever one of you guys wants to go I heard it in another dimension. <laughs> more honoring dimension. All right. Um, more honoring dimension. <laughs> So, um, I think that my process, um, through the, I guess maybe kind of through the night season that I just feel like was kind of where I kept stopping was that because of my previous commitment to religion, truth was hard for me to touch. I don't. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I've had to, like, I feel like I've kind of just been coming out of that. So with this, um, with this process of sharing, um, 
my heart has been to move away from knowledge that I have or gathering knowledge to share something and just desiring to hear um, and kind of engaging Yahweh in a different way than what I've heard him before. Um, so I don't know if I've done that well. I'm just saying like that's been kind of my heart in just preparing myself as um, like a vessel that can be spoken through and um, and then we'll anyway we'll go through that. Um, but the last um, so over the last few weeks um, in regards to Pesach and or Passover is um, he really had me focusing on the life that Yeshua lived after he rose. So just getting into each of those, and I feel like that's where he kind of landed me, and so that's what I'm going to share tonight. Um, so the, the first aspect um, in, so Matthew 28:19, which we all know, but I feel like I learned it differently. Um, Matthew 28:19 says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, immersing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and Ruach HaKadosh. And then it goes on to say, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and remember I am with you even to the end of the age. And um, the word immersing um, just kind of just popped out at me. Um, I obviously have just grown up with baptism and had just always that verse had just always meant to me like like we go we tell we dip you know baptism <laughs> and and we go on like it just that it just that was how that verse had always read to me and um and it was interesting too because what Yahweh was showing me was even the aspect of, so when it says immersing them in the name of the Father, Son, and, and Ruach, that like that part was almost like an afterthought, like it wasn't even significant, because the baptism part was significant, it wasn't even like that it was done in their name. Like I can remember a time like when we were first, um, Christians, I don't know whatever we were, um, um, but I remember like going and baptizing people, and I remember like at the beginning, like what's the proper way to do it? Like what do you say? Kind of like the salvation prayer, you know, in the sense of like you gotta say it right, or else it's not gonna happen. It was like you gotta say the right thing, or it's not gonna happen. Like then they really won't be baptized, and um, so it was. So, to like, the, so it stood out to me that immersing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and Ruach, immerse meaning to involve oneself deeply, brought me to make like, thank you, Kendra. That that verse is not talking about dipping someone in water. The verse is talking about like our charge 
as the remnant to allow um, or to one be immersed to have complete yada with the father and the son and ruach and then in turn that's what we're able to share when we go out is um and it it kind of almost it brought me back for myself it brought me back to um just like our cups uh, our cups of pasok is that i like i feel like just almost in where i was at in the christian church it was yeshua like that was all that we like we were just you know just yeshua and that's what we had and it was like there's so much more that when i can be immersed in everything that the father shares or everything that like everything that the father is characterized by and everything that yahweh or that yeshua is characterized by and everything that ruach is characterized by then i get a full picture of um of who that is and so um and I was just thinking about, um, I believe, Mom, that you were sharing today about, like, um, well, anyway, the one, like, the picture that I saw was just, like, there's that three that's in one, and we can't, like, they're separate, but we can't separate them, but they, they're distinct, but they are all intertwined. Like, there's just this picture, and... Um, I was thinking about how the father being that like hesed, like that, like the loving instructions of a father. And then the son, um, you had made the comment today on Boxer about, um, about how he knows his boundaries. Like he can walk in love, but he knows his boundaries and he knows his limitations. And, but there's this aspect of being able to walk out, like that's how we, that's how we live, right? Like we have that that actual example um, to walk out, um, and then also with Ruach as well, and um, and so the, just kind of the process um, that um, Yeshua just took me through, as far as um, like just kind of diving into immersion and like where so for myself just self-reflecting on where like how immersed am I and where are those places in me that um, like I'm not fully immersed um, and the first place that he took me um, was that I can be wet and not be immersed so just because I, just because I can say it or act it or do that, like doesn't mean that I'm immersed. Doesn't mean that there is yada in my life. Um, then he took me through um, that it's that immersion is an invitation, um, and in through that then that there's always more that it's continual and that the desire to have every aspect so it gets everywhere like when you're immersed in something there is no aspect of who you are that is not affected by that mm. um by that um like 
water or whatever that by Yahweh. Um, staying, the ability to stay immersed builds muscle. So my ability to, um, my ability to walk in like yada or that ability to walk in that intimacy allows then I'm going to be able to stay there longer. I don't know if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, when I am immersed, I enter a new realm. So being able to, like, what kind of, like, some, I personally, I get so stuck on, like, the earthly realm, like, very practical. So, like, this is what happens, and then this is what happens, and why is that, like, and I get so stuck in like the practical or like the things that are like right in front of me that I forget that there's a whole nother realm. And so just taking me to those places that I have a different, that I can like showing me where there's those things in my life that I'm not allowing a different perspective or a different aspect. Um, Cause to be immersed is going to take me to a different realm and I'm going to see differently. And what are those places that I'm not? Um, 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 just this morning, actually, he took me to um, that this is where the root system of loving kindness is fed. Um, that at the like that source is that intimacy that we have um, in being able to walk out loving kindness. And then um, um, the idea of being engulfed and fully surrounded, so the clinging aspect. Um, and just showing those places that um, not only do I struggle in clinging um, to Yahweh, but that I struggle in clinging like to mom and dad, to, um, you know, Eric, to like siblings and that. And then um, the last two things that um, he brought out was that um, immersion requires trust or surrender. Um, so for me to, to me to be immersed, for me to, um, to fully yada requires me to trust and it requires me to surrender. And then, um, this was just one thing that he just said and he just, it was just done, but he just said pride will get you killed. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. So, like, just walking through some things of <laughs> where um, <laughs> all that intimacy and then pride will stop. <laughs> pride will kill you. <laughs> but um, just like Yvonne has talked about that, the idea of superiority. Um, so that pride aspect was that was a huge thing for me this week. Was um, just having to walk through work and family and just a bunch of areas of my life where. I've chosen to be superior to other people and to Yahweh. Okay. Well, I, I, I first want to just say that a part of this is actually learning some things about myself that I apparently didn't know for 52 years. Um, some of it is this very simple stuff like how I actually perceive things, how I see things. You know, when it's when something is a part of your life, like, like a gifting, 
because it's so natural to you, you don't, you're not aware of it. You know, it takes somebody else to kind of highlight for you, highlight that for you because you do that gifting so well. It's just, you don't realize that you're unique there. And I've even, you know, I've shared that before, but that still is true. I mean, there still can be things even any point in your life where all of a sudden you realize like, oh yeah, that's how I do that. I never knew that. I've, some of the things that I've realized in this process is that I, when Yahweh speaks and reveals, talks to me, I see things. I mean, I'm a very visual. Like there's images and things like um, that he shows me, and I'm also I also I, um, I I sense and feel things. It's always been that way, and I've not always understood it. It's just how I've operated, right? So you kind of begin to realize, like, become aware of that, and realize that not only has has that been a part of my life, but you know, it's one of those things where it's like how I've been able to utilize that without even being aware that I was. Um, sometimes even maybe using it wrongly, relying on it, or even at times maybe even being ashamed. You know, it's not easy for a guy to be somebody who's got these feelings. Turn that crap off. Like I can't, I can't do that. You know, and so stifling sometimes those things because it's not a part of what others expect of you. So anyway. Um, so in this, of course, he was showing me things. I was visually seeing stuff. And um, and some of it has been things that have been building for a while. You know, the first thing is the spiral. Um, the idea that everything is cyclical and what Yahweh does in his kingdom is cyclical, but it's not a circle. It's got dimension, you know. And, um, I mean, when I was in education, they had, there's a, that's an approach to education, the spiral education. You know, you, bid, you build on what a student learns, and then you come around to it again, and then there's a little bit more that you add to it. You know, so sometimes students be like, hey, we learned this last year. It's like, yes, but now you're going to learn more, you know. Um, well, that's exactly in so many more dimensions. That's how Yahweh walks us through things. And so when we began to talk about that, I was like, I get that. Okay, that, and I can see it. I can see that. I mean, it's something in my mind. It's so clear, the spiral, you know. When you look at it from top down, it looks like a circle. It looks like you're in the same place. How many times in my life have I been like, I've been here before and I'm so frustrated because I'm here again. Mm -hmm. Dang it. I don't usually use good language. It's usually very <laughs> explicit. Well, I'm just trying to be real. <laughs> but there are still kids here. so um, you know, It's like it's one of those things where it's like, it's like, oh my gosh, I feel so stuck. You know? Only to realize I'm not paying attention when I, you look at it from that different angle from the side. Yeah, it might be cyclical, but you're at a different elevation. You're at a different place. You have moved. You know, I have grown. But if I'm looking at it from the wrong perspective, I don't see that. And um, that spiral, honestly, that's a big part of walking out things is that I can get, you know, I'm sure we're all in the same place. You can really get down on yourself because it's like, am I, am I even saved? You know, but it's really encouraging that spiral. So the spiral process has been really helpful. It's actually kind of cool because in the spiral, okay, like the, the whole Greek versus Hebrew mentality, that has been something that continually comes back. And just, you, you know, again, you see those major influences in your life. Okay. How many times have we said, I know I've said it so many times, like walking out, it's like 
of Christianity. It's like it's twisted. Like there are things that are true there, but it's so twisted that it's different. It's distorted. And I've used that word, it's twisted. So what's Yahweh doing? He's untwisting it for me. What's really funny is Yahweh challenged me in this one. He goes, is it really getting untwisted? Or is your linear thinking actually getting the proper shape and it's getting curved? Dang. <laughs> I totally saw it. I'm like, yeah. So my cute little straight line that I thought, I want everything all untwisted. It's all going to be nice and straight. So how about if we just put that back in the curve the way it's supposed to be in the correct shape? Oh, so you're twisting it. Okay. So do I say twisted or I don't know. You know, it's just... But it's like that was really, really meaningful for me. Was like, okay, getting the proper perspective, seeing it right. So, um, and you know, intimacy is a huge part of this. And it's really cool seeing this, the themes of intimacy are so huge in this family, and I love it, and I'm so honored by it, and I'm so challenged by it because. I can see places in my life, intimacy is meaningful, but because of trauma, past experiences, things that have happened, it's like, no, I'm not letting that happen again. And just realizing how much resistance I've had to intimacy and Yahweh's breaking those things down. And, um, and of course, the pictures. So he shows me DNA. I just want to just warn you guys, I apologize in advance. I'm a little bit of a chemistry nerd. That was one of the things I studied in college. Okay, and thankfully, um, the, the being able to see things, that really helps because when you start getting into any higher level of chemistry, everything is three-dimensional. But the page in a textbook isn't three-dimensional. So being able to understand you know, what an amino acid looks like in a three-dimensional structure, how it's structured actually even changes what it looks. All those things matter. Mm -hmm. So OCAM, you know, BioCAM, those kind of things, those three-dimensional secondary, tertiary, quaternary structures, they're all three-dimensional how it physically looks. And like in my head, the way Yahweh wired me is like, I can see that. And this isn't the time before they had cool computer programs to do it all three-dimensionally. It just it was in there. I go, okay, I see that. You know, I see Bob's like, mm hmm. Okay, and so when it comes to DNA, like that has meaning for me because of how powerful it is. And in my head, all those times I can see the, I can see the different molecules like actually unzipping it and recreating it, duplicating it, and it's just, it's very beautiful. You know, if you hate chemistry, I'm sure you don't want to hear the word it's beautiful, but it's really beautiful. You know. And DNA, the very structure, is something that's been meaningful to me. And Yahweh was like, do you realize, Eric, <laughs> that spiral that you're talking about that I'm in? DNA itself is a picture of intimacy. Two people in their spiral together joined. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> like that was really powerful. So, I mean, DNA, among so many other things, it's like, this is a picture of intimacy. And all those things that are joined together, they're opposite of each other. You know, Chesed and Guevara, they're opposites of each other and they're joined together to bring intimacy in our walk together. And it's like, okay, that's like way cool. And because it's kind of, I will just say it a little side note, Mom, every time you talk about being multidimensional, it challenges me because I've always been so grateful that I can see three dimensionally. 
but multi-dimensionally is a whole lot more than three dimensions. <laughs> it's like, dang it. It's like the spiritual chemistry textbook. It totally is. <laughs> and I'm not that, yeah. Everybody's like, just spiritual. give me the textbook. <laughs> so I can totally appreciate what you're saying, but I'm not yet able to see that. It, it actually bothers me. So I'm like, okay, I'm irritated. That's a good place to grow. I want to see that. Um, so like like when you it's like another 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 part of the Hebrew like the letters that has been a powerful experience for me. I don't know that I've had really good opportunities for like actual engagement yet. I'm, I'm getting there, but I would say the first that I've engaged with is a left top when you shared that about that uniqueness and how it showed up and like that was something that just got me and hammered me. Um, if you guys remember the when Mom shared about a left tov, this article, this this usage in the Hebrew, that's not really translated, and, and how it is so unique, such an identifier. A left, the first letter in the Hebrew alphabet, and tov, the last. And then, just this last week during Passover, you know, getting entangled and meshed with tov, and tov being the last of the alphabet, it's not. The one thing that stuck out was that Tav is a finishing letter, but it's not an ending letter. And the difference between finishing and ending, because an end is a Greek thinking. Like it's like this end, definitively done, will never happen again. Whereas finishing is you're finishing to start again. It just recreates that spiral. And um, so when I was reading through. Uh, Friends of Hebrew, there's actually another letter at the end of the Hebrew alphabet. Ga, G-H-A-H, right? And um, for those of you who've read that book, you've probably seen this. And Ga is a letter that in the Babylonian captivity, it actually is such a powerful, mysterious letter that apparently the Hebraic people, the Jewish people, hid it. They took it and combined it with Ayin. And I don't know the history of that. I just know what's in Friends of Heber. It's just like they hid it in there. It's like a mystery to be found later. And it was so cool because I showed this morning, I was talking with Anya and um, just kind of giving her a quick summary of what I was going to be sharing, you know, and just stuff. And before I did that, I showed her the picture. And she didn't know I was going to be sharing all this other stuff, right? So I showed her the picture of God. Right? That's what it looks like. I go, when you look at that, what do you see? And she's like, looks like DNA. And I'm like, yes! <laughs> so I'm back here at God. It's just like this mystery. It's a spiral. You know, one of the images is a spiral staircase that leads you to the Holy of Holies. That was a part of the temple, the spiral staircase. Into, that, into the place of all those mysteries, that intimacy. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, Oh. <laughs> and I'll be honest I love mysteries I love seeking them out but I have not been very good at walking them out mm -hmm. and so I've been really really careful with trying to not because this was my pattern in that in a Christian religious structure is I'd see things and then I'd get this really cool revelation and I'd share it. And everybody would be like, oh, that's really good, Eric. Good job. 
And I wouldn't walk it out. It was like a trophy on a shelf. It wasn't a mystery to be explored, to be embraced, and to be engaged with, and to be walked out. It was like, yeah, I got that idea. Total. It's a total lying to yourself. And so I've just been really aware and careful because it's like, Howie, I don't want that pattern in my life. I want to walk these out. So I've been trying to walk those out just to have him take me back to a place of revealing his mysteries. I feel like he's... I feel like he's showing that trust again that it's time to start looking and walking those out. So. Before you brought up the letter, both of you have an assignment to engage some letters, but you already talked about it. So to move into beyond knowledge, but to actually engage, maybe the first one you are to engage is God. Because I saw that, and then you, Samek. What is Samek? Immersion. Being fully surrounded. Just being fully, fully, I can't remember the word you used, not immersed, but. Engulfed. Engulfed. Or fully, yeah, being like fully in it, and that isn't all surrounding. Okay. Oh, and I was just gonna add, it is finished. Doesn't that bring another dimension when you, when Yeshua says that? Mm-hmm. Yes. When you understand that what he stood for as Tom in and of himself, but it is finished. We take it as like, so it is done. Mm-hmm. It's completely over. Mm-hmm. Everything is. Done away, like done away, right? Everything's yeah. done yeah. versus just, just to start for yeah. you to do it. <laughs> I did it. Now you do it. <laughs> that was just the period for the next paragraph. <laughs> it's just that Hebrew concept of you know, just it is, it is finished as a finishing, not an ending. And we just Americans and Greek mindset look at finishing as such an, you know, we are we're also after the fruit. We're after the end result. Yeah. We're after. You know, we're not about the process and how beautiful the process is versus, yeah. you know, like I can, you know, even going back to your story, Yvonne, that's the reason why he can show you those pictures. Like, we're so stuck at thinking of the things that we've done wrong, but like, like, I don't, I, I mean, there's not even a way to express it, but like how his adoration for a daughter to like, want to be searched and to be his fullness but he knew it before so being able to like release the ending in a way because he really is after the process like it doesn't it doesn't make him it's not he's not afraid to show us the fruit or to show us things because he's not after that anyways (coughs) you know what i mean sometimes we need that I'm sure Amber needs that sonogram at times to remember, like, what is this for? So he's good. He's good to show us what's coming, but he is so much about that growth and about that process and about the laboring of it that he's not necessarily concerned with all of that. It's just no problem. Yeah, tonight was good because you you could see how the Holy Spirit has intentions to communicate things, not just from each individual person, but a whole picture from everybody sharing together and I think that 
you know, something you said towards the end there, Eric, was really um, powerful as, what I, as far as what I was referring to earlier, that revelations are not trophies. Yeah. When Yahweh communicates something to you, it's because he's after producing something in you, right? He's after you starting a process to search out and discover something that he already knows, already set in place, already ordained for you, but you have to figure that out. And so when I talk about, you know, him encoding your gifting in a revelation that he gives you, we have to go beyond, you know, and you can kind of hear this theme and what we're talking about too is, um, you know, just being excited about a revelation but not locking it out. Kendra talking about, you know, you take a scripture, you make a formula out of it, and then you just go reproduce it, and you're not really thinking about what name you're even doing it in or how you're even doing yeah. it. You're just like step one, two, three, and four, and then yeah. you move on to the next one, right? Or, um, you know, not breathing, not stopping and breathing, yeah. right? Like you're, we're just we're just going. Mm -hmm. We're just getting a revelation. That's cool. We talked to somebody else about it. Um, and then we just function in this system that we, you know, this illusion that we buy into, we function in it, and we miss all of that yep. stuff. Yeah. And, um, but, like, when I, when I, when we hear you guys talking, like Yvonne, for example, to me, there's a gifting there about being able to show other people the illusion that they can't see. Right? It's like if somebody's in a house of mirrors and you have like a slingshot and you're shattering mirrors so all of a sudden they can orient themselves about really where they're at, whereas before they can't. Right? And, and you know, with Kendra, it's like that, that immersion. I mean, you can just begin to see how when he starts stirring you about something that there's a gifting in there. Right? There's like a, there's something about breaking deception. Right? With Kendra, there's something about the the full experience and what that really means. Mm -hmm. Every aspect of your being has to be affected by it. Right? There's something with you with DNA and the perspective shift or the way people think. There's there's a gifting about that, right? With uh, Noel, it's like there's a it's apparent to me that there's a leadership ability or an ability to rally people when nobody has any discipline or motivation whatsoever yeah. right you're going to be the guy that all of a sudden people are going to be like how did you get this whole nation to move and shift cohesively when nobody thought that was possible nobody even wanted to right so you can begin to see the different yeah. giftings in the family just by what Yahweh is saying to you yeah. because in that he's your gifting is in there yeah so it's good. it's good for us, right, as individuals to think about that, but also for everybody else as the family sharing and stuff. So yeah, I think that um, I think it's cool too. The bookends tonight spiritually, like things that Yahweh is speaking to you about identity. I know hits you. Be you know when when we when we really start like. Uh, like really evaluating those things and then um so i just think that i don't know i just feel like it was like super powerful with eric going last you going first and just you know ushering us into that because i know that it's one thing for us to talk about the concept of egypt and then it's another when you get hit with a wave 
of spiritual reality and sometimes literal reality of our identities being stripped of a system. Yeah. And really, what does that mean to say, yeah. I totally trusted him? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just think it. I just think it's super powerful. I mean, I definitely know that we're gonna want that on record because I was already like, well, there's definitely an aspect of some things that you release like me that now I understand why people are just staring at me. <laughs> so I'm like, why are you guys not responding? Everybody's like, Cause you, we have to chew, and I'm over here like, Kelly <laughs> was a semi-automatic. I'm like, oh, that's why we just stare. <laughs> But I feel like that there's going to be some things that yeah. will get picked up because I kind of boldly said something crazy that our, for our family, we will be out of a certain system by 2025, did I say? 2025, is that my goal? That we would be out of a system. And it's one thing to say it. I mean, you know you always breathe in when you say something like that, but then to be able to hear a word. I mean, I can preach it all day long, like to leave a system, but I've always seen that system as religion. And I've talked about this before, that that's not going to be the only system we break out of. And so just the things that are coming into my heart that by 2024, 2025, we would be making moves as a family that would be out of the system completely. We're going to need that rally point. Because <laughs> we're going to, because that's what's going to be so powerful. We, that's why we're not caught off guard. We're doing the deep work now to not find out that you have this revelation after divorce. Or we don't find this revelation after you're after you're just zombie. You know, we're not. Getting, yeah. We're doing these things before. Yeah. Because he wants you to feel that. Because yeah. it might be one day where he says we're gonna get up and make life stuff. But it's you know. <laughs> but it's like it's the. But we're not gonna be sideswiped because we're doing that internal work to really. Because sometimes he just does those things just to make sure he's mm -hmm. clean. Yeah, you know, and, and most of the time when you say yes, and he's like, all right, cool, yeah, <laughs> you're you know, good. maybe maybe things don't look, you know shift. Sometimes they do it. So, anyways, I just think it's super powerful. All right, you guys. Well, we're gonna get ready to close our night, and so, um, Gabby, if you wouldn't mind just making the rounds with that, or just like passing it on, so we can pass our little mini treasure box around. If anyone has um, an offering uh, to give in the form of a check or cash, um, but as you do and as we get ready to leave, um, as mom and dad were saying, there were so many connections in tonight, and I think that um, it would be very prudent of us to ensure that when we leave and when we when we walk away from a night like tonight that we don't also have the mindset as the bride that these revelations are trophies, but even in the sense of not just personally, but a trophy to kind of like, it. what I feel is like a safeguarding of robbery on behalf of the mysteries that are being uncovered, that it wouldn't be something that either we dismiss or we grab a hold of outside of what it is that he's fully inviting us into when those mysteries are shared or those whispers are made public with one another because they are meant to bring a greater level of exposure into the fullness of who he is and into what we're invited to walk out as the bride and as transitionaries as a whole. So each each revelation that someone is, is is expressing or sharing personally that it is for 
it is for the remnant bride it is for all of us personally but to be activated in not just to take up residence in your knowledge base or whatever that might be but that it is meant to become fully owned by you so that you can be fully transformed by the truth of that revelation and um and there's a multiplication too in the intimacy and the vulnerability that takes place in the night like tonight so when you have someone who you call family basically ask for forgiveness to their spouse in front of you that that wouldn't be something that you just leave mm -hmm. and don't activate in your life mm -hmm. that when someone presents the question that's been put out is what is Yahweh saying to you and on behalf of the family and on behalf of the remnant bride so it would be dishonoring to then go home and think wow that was such a great revelation mm -hmm. that she had <laughs> and not say in what ways mm -hmm. in in what ways do I consider myself superior because she's speaking on behalf mm -hmm. of the bride yeah right especially when you started talking about when the next generation is watching mm -hmm. I was like, yes and I wrote that down as a quote <laughs> um let me find it because that is why is he or she like that it's because of me when we're talking about the characterization of the bride and Yahweh is asking mm -hmm. us as transitionaries can you redefine what she's characterized by mm -hmm. yeah. so to go home and say man that must be really hard for them <laughs> <laughs> or whatever whatever your mindset yeah. might be like check yeah. your yeah. pride at the, <laughs> at the door because Kendra just said right. it will kill you so it will literally yeah. kill the movement of Yahweh mm -hmm. if you keep what's yeah. released here here or you keep it in their home or in their home or in their home and say that's cool he's talking to you about that mm -hmm. the, the that the point <laughs> the point mm -hmm. of this time of connection mm -hmm. is for those things to be multiplied mm -hmm. what's being whispered to you is meant to be multiplied we're all meant to walk in that immersion right mm -hmm. with what everyone has shared so Anyways, just want to release us into that tonight. Make sure that literally let's have, how about we have the door be a checkpoint because what we've said before is that mom and dad's house is that representation. I've said this publicly, right? I don't know what you're going to say. About to. <laughs> I don't know. I said I've been saying it, but maybe it's been in my head. But but that when when we received that feeling of when we came here versus the building and everyone said there's so much intimacy what is that well what was being represented on earth was that we had been restored back into the house so can we use the doorway as we're leaving to gauge and just check yourself before you leave so that everything that's here is held in the intention that Yahweh has it so stop if you need to literally physically stop at the door make sure okay am I remembering what everyone said did I take notes okay that if, if I did like just just think through that before you leave so that we set a standard moving forward of what's to be done and how to activate what's being multiplied here okay okay Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Kingdom Heirs International. 
If you have received insight and revelation with this message, we invite you to claim that revelation by trading on the trading floor with this ministry. You can do that at kingdomairsflag.org. Thank you.